Welcome to the STEM Economy with your host, Matt Bender. We're doing the Dune Dow on this episode of Scam Economy. Welcome to the show, everybody. I am your host, Matt Binder, and we are diving in to the Spice Dow this week. You may have heard about this Dow, and for those of you who don't know what a Dow is, or what Spice Dow is, or even what Dune is, we're going to dive into all of this with my guest. It is a ride of a show, a lot of things to talk about concerning this crypto community that came together and traded in their real money for tokens set up by this DAO, which in turn gives them a vote in this community about what to do with what they did with their real money, which was crowdfund to buy a rare book related to the sci-fi classic Dune. Again, I promise you this will all make sense to you by the end of this episode. So let's get right to it. But first, patreon.com slash mattbinder to subscribe and monetarily support this show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash mattbinder and catch the YouTube video premiere version of this episode or the replay. Twitch.tv slash mattbinder where I multicast the live post show on Twitch and YouTube. And of course, if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, you can connect your Amazon Prime account to your Twitch account and you can give me a free Twitch Prime subscription every month. Free for you. Amazon in turn pays me. ScamEconomy.com for all the links to the podcast version of this show. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the only thing left to do now is buckle up because joining me now, she's a senior reporter at The Verge who has been covering this Dune Dow since, you know, the very beginnings, earliest, uh, you know, earlier this year. Uh, Addie Robertson, thank you so much for joining me on Scam Economy today. Yeah, happy to be here. Now, I, I'm not so much a, a, a Dune uh, guy. I never really got into it. Something about, you know, uh, watching people walking that much sand for that long uh, never was really appealing to me. Uh, I know I'm going to receive more hate mail than I've probably ever received before for just saying that. But uh, let's start, I guess, uh, with what is this Dune Dow that's really – it's called Spice Dow. So what, what is this Dune Dow all about? What was the, the uh, thing that all these Dune fans came together to do? So this is weirdly not even necessarily entirely about Dune itself. It is about a sort of byproduct of Dune uh, called the Dune Bible, which is that sometime after Frank Herbert published his novel, the uh, avant-garde filmmaker Alejandro Jodorowsky decided, I want to make a big sci-fi epic, so I'm going to make Dune. I've never read Dune. But I'm going to read it now. And now I really like it. And he comes up with all of these incredibly weird ideas, like he's going to pay Dolly $100,000 for one minute of screen time to be in this film. Uh, and Mick Jagger's involved. And there's just all of this really bizarre stuff. It's going to be like 20 hours long. Um, and he memorializes all of this in a storyboard that's kind of a script of the film that's this very large thing that gets called the Dune Bible that gets shopped around to studios. Um, this got turned into a documentary a few years ago, which made it fairly popular. And the Dune Bible has taken on this kind of mythic status that it's one of those things where you get to say, oh, it's the greatest sci-fi film never made because it would have been absolutely incredible. And then, you know, David Lynch got the script instead and Jodorowsky hated the film. Um, and so it's <laughs> one of these weird filmmaking legends. And so this book, even though it is mostly like large parts of it are online, it hasn't been sold. It's this weird cryptic artifact that periodically copies of it go up for auction. And that is where this starts. So this isn't just like a, a, a screenplay or a script. It's it's a book with like, I guess, like comprehensive uh, art and storyboards and, and a lot more than just what you would usually, I guess, uh, 
expect when you know these sort of uh, scripts go for sale in these you know in, in filmmaker or uh, movie fan communities. Yeah, and a lot of it's really beautiful. They that it's a collaboration with the artist Mobius. Um, they would later work on this comic called the Incal, which is based on the Dune Bible. It's really genuinely very good. So yeah, it's a cool artifact. I don't want to diminish that in everything that is to come. The Dune Bible is cool, right? And it is nothing to do inherently. I mean, this this thing was made uh, decades before. Uh, anyone was doing anything with the blockchain and cryptocurrency and and DAOs, which we'll we'll now get into. So this uh, apparently, from what I understand, one of these rare copies of this Dune Bible uh, ends up uh, on the auction block late last year, uh, like December twenty twenty one, and. Someone or has the bright idea to to go after it. What what happens now that we know that one of these, uh, you know, now that we know what this Dune Bible is, what 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 does the Dune Dow do here? So there is the central figure at this point is this guy named Sobi, uh, who is uh, Soban Sakib, who's a crypto millionaire and is a really big fan of Yodo's Dune. And says, well, I really want to buy this and I want to get other people in on it. And what if we could just crowdfund buying this thing together? We need maybe a few million dollars. We want to obviously make sure that it's kept up. It's this rare artifact. They end up making the crypto equivalent at the time of around $12 million to buy this book, which is just vastly more than any of copy has sold before. Right. Yeah, I, I had seen that. I think like they uh, Christie's the auction house expected that the uh, the book was going to maybe go for like uh, based on previous sales of other rare copies, something like 50 K and it ends up going for what it was like three over three million or something like that. Right. Yeah, it was around three million. That's 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 incredible. And the the story around that uh the the guy who sort of put this all together, uh Sobi, that that crypto uh millionaire. I was looking up like, you know, well, where did he get his crypto riches from? And apparently he had sold a cyberpunk NFT to the NFL player Odell Beckham Jr. for something like 2.3 million or something like that. Uh, simply because uh, Odell Beckham Jr. thought that the cyberpunk uh, NFT Crypto looked punk, like yeah. – uh, oh, I'm saying cyberpunk. I assume what? crypto. Jesus, punk. yes, yeah. I am. Thank you. So uh, he, he buys this CryptoPunk from Sobe uh, based strictly on the fact that it looks like him. Of course, I guess he thought it, it had his uh, his features or something like that. Insofar as anything that is effectively 100 pixels can look like one. Yes. <laughs> right. I mean, it is it is always amazing when you hear these celebrities talk about buying NFTs like Bored Apes or or CryptoPunks that look like them. It's like, oh my God, what are you talking about? These were literally computer generated random features that were drawn without any real uh you know basis to make it look like anyone just randomly thrown together and all of a sudden you're buying you're spending millions of dollars because you think it looks like you Un- unbelievable but that's that's sort of another story for another day <laughs> money was weird in 2021 it's funny doing this at the during the crypto crash because now it just feels like this other era where you, yeah no there were millions of dollars tied up in these things it seemed entirely normal I mean, not to us, but to many people. Oh, right. And now was... so much of it is gone. Right. Uh, yeah. And and we will be getting to how that affects the Dow, too, because uh, much like anyone who has tokenized anything over the past couple of years, they're all feeling the burn of this crash. Like you could not escape it regardless of what the purpose of your token was for. And in this case, it's a governance token, which before we get any further, I think we should explain to people exactly what a DAO is. Now, I've talked about DAOs um, on this program before, um, sort of just in in broader uh, episodes talking where it was just like one sort of piece to a larger puzzle. 
Um, but I think at least on uh, this show, I might have uh, spoken about the Constitution Dow on the uh, post-show live stream I do. But um, on, on this show, I think this might be the first episode where we dive into a very specific DAO and make that whole episode about that DAO. So can you just explain what a DAO is for people who don't know? There is some level of disagreement in the crypto community about what constitutes a DAO, but the basics are it stands for a decentralized autonomous organization. And in practice, what a lot of it means is there is some kind of crypto token, like a non-fungible token or a cryptocurrency, like a custom coin. And if you own something if you own one of these tokens, you're part of this community that's a little bit like a corporation that doesn't actually have any usually legal status and where everyone effectively usually just joins a discord and then votes on a platform called Snapshot for decisions. And so it's, I mean, you can compare it to a lot of things, but it's kind of like a forum where everybody gets to vote if they hold crypto. Right. For that specific project. Right. And, uh, you know, it's I, I always just, you know, I, I think the idea is incredibly uh, silly to me simply because the fact of it's basically they've tokenized what a co-op is or they've tokenized what crowdfunding is. I mean, I, I get why they do it uh, because it's a it's a draw for the crypto space. I mean, you have a lot of people in this space who um are well let me backtrack there because there's not a lot of people in this space who have a lot of money but the people in this space who are obsessed with crypto tend to um you know have money to throw around if you're talking about crypto because they like to support other crypto projects so you know if you were to just start a, a kickstarter or an indiegogo or, or or do something like that for a project you might not be able to lure in uh, you probably won't actually be able to lure in those crypto millionaires who are strictly looking for crypto projects to invest in. So if you just, you know, say, oh, we're going to tokenize it and it's a DAO, uh, boom, bada, bing, you got those big money crypto uh, bags flying at you from those people who wouldn't have gone at you, who would have thrown them at you if you were doing a Kickstarter or something. Yeah, I think it's also worth noting just often so much of this is tied up in Ethereum and it is very difficult to move Ethereum often out of the crypto ecosystem that for one thing, there's the legal questions of, OK, so now there's this security that you've just sold a bunch of and your taxes are a nightmare. For another, it's incredibly volatile. So you're just moving. You've suddenly got this coin that's incredibly inflated in price in 2021 that you're just suddenly incredibly rich. And also transactions require gas fees, which at that point could just be like hundreds of dollars to make a transaction involving Ethereum or to convert it. Um, so if you're you're probably not going to be converting this back into dollars constantly and right. like pledging it towards something. Right. And gas fees are, I remember earlier this year when uh, the board apes launched some new NFT project that that weekend when they launched, because there was so much demand on the Ethereum network, those gas fees skyrocketed where people were literally paying thousands of dollars in fees for purchases that could have been like in the double digits, like because gas fees uh, aren't dependent on like, you know, most things I would be a percentage of your transaction if there was a fee. But when it comes to crypto, uh, when you're dealing with gas fees, gas fees are based on how much activity is currently being seen on that specific network. So when the network's busy, uh, you're shit out of luck and you're going to spend a ton of money in fees, whether you want to or not. You got to spend them if you want to jump into that project before something sells out. Uh, great system, I know. <laughs> Which becomes relevant later when it means that refunding money, if you get a crowdfunding project that's incredibly successful, becomes a total nightmare. Right. So Constitution Dow, you had mentioned, if there were cases where they were trying to send people back money because they obviously did not buy the constitution. Um, and you could end up just burning absolutely everything that you had put forward. And just, you literally were spending all of the money that you had made that you had distributed and sent to the Dow just to get your money back. Right. 
there, there's there's so much like I don't think if if you're if you're listening or watching this right now, there is so much going on here, and it all ties back to something either earlier or if when we get to something later or right now it's going to tie into something later. Like this whole thing is so ridiculously complicated and insane, way more than it needs to be. If they just literally like we were talking about decided, hey, let's let's let's. Throw together a Kickstarter, and people will get a nice little uh, Dune Bible T-shirt out of this. <laughs> I mean, it's it's incredibly ridiculous. Like we're talking about, like the Constitution Dow, which is necessary that we talk about. But people who are listening to this might have no idea what that is. So basically, let let me try to reset here so we could put this into the timeline. So, <laughs> so, so, so there was a uh, a Dow that was trying to purchase a copy of the U.S. Constitution. It was probably the biggest DAO at the time. This was like late last year. Um, it, it received tons of press because they actually fundraised a lot of money. Turns out, though, that that money that they had raised wasn't enough. They lost the, uh, the uh, auction to uh, get that copy of the U.S. Constitution. And so they were stuck having to try to refund that money to people, which... Uh, like Addy just said, a lot of fees, people, if they didn't send over that much money, that they, they would just lose all their money in fees anyway. Now, let's get back to the Dune Dow and why this is relevant. Because the Dune Dow comes after the Constitution Dow. And in the crypto world, Constitution Dow is still a success story because regardless of them failing to buy the Constitution, that really had nothing to do with the crypto aspect. The crypto aspect in the crypto advocate's mind worked. They actually did raise millions of dollars in a very short time span to do this crazy thing. Um... So Dune Dow sort of sort of buoyed by that idea was able to raise um, 12 million. But actually, I was reading that um, that actually came after Sobe already had to purchase the Dune Bible because at first they had only raised less than a million. And at the auction, um, it went to like uh, when it got to three million, they, they they didn't have enough to cover it. So Sobe ended up on his own purchasing the um, the Dune Bible with his you know with his own personal crypto riches. Uh, some of that coming from that NFT sale to Odell Beckham Jr. And then afterwards, the Dow ended up raising that twelve million because you know they already had it in their hands, so they needed to just then get it from transfer it from Sobe to the actual Dow. I need to double check that because my understanding of the timeline was that they had raised a bunch of money, but that they did not have the liquid, like they hadn't been able to actually transfer that out of crypto. And so he had the like liquid cash that he needed to be able to actually win the auction. But I'm not totally sure. It's in the BuzzFeed piece, I believe. Okay, Um, right. That could be the case. But I mean, regardless, the fact does remain that uh, they did not have the cold, hard uh, fiat currency U.S. dollar cash on them. And Christie's wasn't accepting crypto. They only wanted that uh, real money. And, uh, and so uh, uh, Sobe did have to end up using his own personal funds to purchase the uh, Dow and then the, uh, excuse me, to purchase the, uh, the Dune Bible. And then the Dow had to reimburse him. And then they ended up, having the ownership over the Dune Bible. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> also worth noting that the DAO, because the legal status of DAOs is often very confusing, wasn't even really an entity that could buy or own things or use fiat currency. They ended up having to form corporations that were based around the DAO, but that were, like, walled off. Um, it's DAOs are just a legal nightmare. Right. And that's, you know, I, I, I look forward to seeing how that eventually plays out when someone uh, takes a DAO to court because of something that was misrepresented. Maybe we'll see it here. Maybe you'll have to come back on in the near future for another episode <laughs> on this. But but so so they, they do end up getting this Dune Bible. And this is sort of where this story goes from. You know, uh, a, a small niche story in crypto circles to like big story in crypto circles to now here we go. It goes mainstream and the entire mainstream that knows about this 
is just dunking on these guys and gals left and right. What what what's going on that makes the 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 Dune Dao, which is called I keep calling it the Dune Dao because it's sort of funny to say Dune Dao rolls off your tongue much better than Spice Dao, which from what I understand again, not a Dune guy. Spice is a drug in the in, in the novel that's like right. you know very very potent. Everyone wants it or something, so it's very valuable and it becomes a commodity, which. Their token I mean, was called Spice. Right. Spice token. And it's called Spice Dow, which, again, I just got to point out the whole purpose of Dow is, is that uh, the token is just supposed to represent that ownership and not be used as a speculative asset. So it's supposed to be like a governance token where like the amount of tokens you have. Still, to me, this is a terrible idea because if the whole idea of a DAO is sort of like a democratic uh, uh, thing uh, where everyone has a voice, if you let people who have more coins, more tokens have more votes. That's that's not a democracy. But that aside, um, you have whole... to think of it sort of like a share in a corporation. Where yes, in theory, if you buy a share in a thing, you have a vote. But everyone kind of knows that there are a few people who actually control what's going on. Right, right. But then here's the thing, though. Like, um, you know, they their whole thing for a DAO is that oh, it's not really to monetize or you know treat it like the rest of the crypto world does. It's to provide like the community and this this joy shared thing together um, and then they go ahead and name their token and their entire DAO after an element in Dune that's literally a commodity. I mean, it's sort of very hypocritical. It also produces a heightened psychedelic experience in fairness. Which... Spice, not the token. Right, which which to be fair, I don't know if it did that for them when everyone hears what happens as we get to it but it certainly is giving me a very psychedelic uh, fun experience. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea is that they have all this money left over and they have this book now that's kind of technically on the verge of being theirs. And they come up with a few different goals. The first goal is the reason that they wanted to buy it in the first place, which is we want to somehow make this book accessible to people. Um, there have been things that are very close, like scans of it online, but we want to somehow make this more official. We want to make liberate this book, as BuzzFeed puts it. The next goal is, well, we have all of this money left over. What are we going to do with it? Well, what if we made a movie or a TV show? This is where everyone starts to dunk on them because it starts getting out based on their messaging, which is not very clear at all, that they think that because they bought this book, they suddenly have the rights to Dune. This is, look, I... I can make fun of this project for so many reasons. This is, they didn't think this. They they didn't think they had the rights to Dune. They, they knew they didn't. They mentioned it. They, what they did hope they could do was get the rights to put some pieces of the Dune Bible online, which would be, what if we can get licensing rights from the people who were involved in making it in order to just display it online? The goal was always with the movie, insofar as the movie and TV show ever were going to exist, is that they wanted something that... I called it Dune vibes that they wanted something where you have this community of people who suddenly has a bunch of money and they really like science fiction and stuff. That's kind of like Dune. What if we all, they all got together and made this thing that was like an homage to Yodorowsky's Dune, the way that his version of Dune was going to be an homage to the original book. Um, but without the actual official Dune branding, this then ended up just getting really confusing, though, because they would tweet things like, we want to make something that's an animated series inspired by the book, which you obviously do not have the rights to do. Right. See, that's the thing. You you are like I, I was really researching into this because I, I had seen a lot of people say that they thought they had the rights by buying this book uh, for, for months. I saw this. And then, you know, I, I knew from your pieces that you, know, you had really dived into all of their you know, their wording on everything, um, you know, in their Discord and things like that, their their website. And, you know, uh, what what I think is I think they were, you know, the, the uh, Sobi and the people, his other, like, other leaders in the DAO that helped put this together. I, I feel like, and I don't, I can't speculate whether this was purposeful or not. Um, my own opinion is that it was, but it's just, that's my opinion. I, can't, I think the way they worded certain things 
was very vague. And I think people who bought in might have viewed and like like sent money to take part in the DAO, uh, like so they could have tokens so they could vote and, and be part of this community. I, I, from even just seeing some of the conversation around it um, from those people online, they thought that by buying in, they were going to be able to do this because they would have some sort of copyright over this, you know, copyright from this book. And they got this, obviously, from reading Sobe and the Dow's leadership's words. And, you know, again, if, if they misread it or misinterpreted it or if it was, um, you know, vague by accident or vague on purpose, sort of irrelevant at this point. But the point is, some people did think this. Who gave to the Dow? Yes, I, I, I think a lot of these people gave the stuff, their money to the Dow before there was even the idea that they were ever going to make this thing. So it's not necessarily like a Kickstarter where they were like, "Come on, let's get together, let's make this movie based on Dune." But once it did happen, it does seem clear that there were people who got really excited about this thing that they had pledged their money toward, suddenly getting this cool add-on that they liked, which was making a dune series and uh, that was very much never going to be a thing that happened right like this is the equivalent of like you know you go to uh, uh an auction and i mean i haven't done this and i'm sure a ton of people listening to this haven't so maybe it's a weird equivalent but this is the thing that happens like first prints of famous books go on auctions people buy those physical copies if they're collectors or you know museum or whatever and then they uh you know uh they they put it in their own personal collection. Uh, they have a physical copy, which they, uh, you know, they could show people the physical copy. Uh, they can't reprint it and republish it and things like that, but they could show people that physical copy because um, uh, they own just that physical copy. But they don't like all of a sudden, like you buy a first print of, I don't know, like Wizard of Oz or something. You don't all of a sudden get to create your own Wizard of Oz movie with all those characters and everything. You buy uh, some rare like Mickey Mouse toy. You don't all of a sudden own the IP for Mickey Mouse. Like that's the thinking here uh, or, or what some people thought here. Right. You bought a copy of the thing. You haven't bought the right to make derivative works of this thing. Right. So, so it seems like um, they did actually start to create, and I'm going to stress here, work inspired by the <laughs> Dune Bible that did not infringe on copyright, or at least that work started. Um, and there was oh, a boy, did it start. Okay. Why don't you, why don't you uh, let, let, let her rip? It sounds like there's a lot to go by here. Go ahead. <laughs> so we're now starting from the point where this Dow has all of this money. I just have to stress. It has millions of dollars. They don't know what to do with this. No one is really putting forward a plan to do things with this. And there are a lot of people who look at this money and go, I could do something with this. So through whatever means, they end up coming up with this partnership where they're going to pay this company called Robel Ridge money to produce a script or a treatment that then they could end up shopping out to like Netflix or some other company that's going to help them make this web series. Um, and so this produces a script called Vengeance on Planet Zug which is widely considered to not be very good by the Dune community. And they're suddenly wondering, well, why did we just promise to pay them tens of thousands of dollars to produce this script? Right. Um, there's a bunch of stuff I can't really get into that's about, I think there were links between people involved in the project and people at Rubble Ridge, which doesn't necessarily mean anything untoward was going on. But again, I just have to emphasize there is a lot of money here. No one's really doing anything with it. It is not necessarily surprising people start looking at this and going, I could probably use some of this. Right. And and didn't didn't one of the problems arise from this is that this was something that was done that wasn't voted on like that process, like like uh, uh, spice token holders did not even get to have a say. Like, they didn't even know that there was that uh, production company uh, contracted to do that at this point. Is that correct? Right. They started making votes on this and setting up actual formal governance around January, and then this thing had gotten done before that. 
So right. yeah, there's this thing that the Dow didn't even really vote on. And then they suddenly start getting a vote in things and getting an actual formal governance structure, which is like four people who control this treasury who are putting out votes. And so they decide they want to change in direction. It, it, it is amazing to me that this Dow forms and their first decision doesn't follow the whole point of a Dow. It's amazing. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't even know what to say. So let's. <laughs> what's your What's your take on it? <laughs> I just don't know the extent to which anyone actually planned out a lot of this stuff. Like, it's not really like they got to look at this and said, "Let's form a governance community around the concept of a." book based on another book that we bought at auction. It's kind of just that this guy was like, I really want to buy this cool thing I like. And it turns out people are going to give me a ridiculous amount of money to do this. I have no idea what to do now. This is not a, like I'm paraphrasing. This is not like a thing that he has explicitly told it me or anything. But I don't think there was this really big master plan that they ended up, you know, that was corrupted or something i think they just got a lot of money and they weren't really sure what to do with it and they were kind of trying to figure it out right sort of like uh i like a i don't even know what to compare it to uh it's not a completely analogous but like a, a lord of the fly situation or something where they're just put in this situation where they dis- decide sort of that hey uh every 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 boy for themselves uh <laughs> um Let's uh, let's talk now about what happens next in that process. Um, what so so that 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 bad uh, uh, thing is contracted that that bad story is contracted causes an uproar within the Dow community, and then they do actually from there start performing their Dow duties and actually voting on things. Oh, is that correct? Yes. Okay. So this is where we get to the part that I find personally fascinating, which is that they decide they want to be a decentralized media powerhouse. And what do you do if you're a media powerhouse in the year 2022? You develop IP, intellectual property. And what is IP? Is it like a book that people really like? Is it like a movie? Is it a story people love? No, it's that you write the concept of a cinematic universe and you write like a treatment for something and then you can get somebody to make a series set in that IP universe, which is this is not like just a thing that Spice Dow came up with. This is widely how I think large portions of culture now think media works, that Media doesn't start with stories. It doesn't start with like actual works of art. It starts with this framework of like world building. Right. No, I I completely agree with you. It's so interesting you bring that up because there's this Web3 project that just uh, came out. Something like, oh, God, off the top of my head, it's like called like Addy or something like that. There's um, some uh, there's someone I, I think from. Um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. One of the actors is behind it or part of the founding group. And their whole idea is that they bring people on board to create a character and people get to own part of that character and anything that character is in and generates revenue. Everyone like gets to take part in it or to have ownership over it. And I'm reading this and I'm like, what are they doing? That's not how anything works. No one just forms characters and then decides, oh, let's stick them in stories. That's that's not how you form a character. That's No one cares about characters who aren't already in good stories. Like imagine if someone just told you about like Luke Skywalker without any of the story around who Luke Skywalker is. Just a boy in, a, in, in, in like a baggy, uh, a raggy t-shirt and uh, he works on a farm on a sand planet and that's all they told you. Invest in this, this boy character. People would be like, what is this bullshit? Make a story around him. <laughs> I, I should be like, I should caveat that they genuinely did ask for stories. They asked for things that were basically pitches. But the framing of it and the framing of so many of these projects is basically that a bunch of people think Marvel is how all media is going to work in perpetuity. And the thing people think of with Marvel is, oh, well, what is it? There's, you know, characters. There's like Iron Man and Black Widow. And that's like if you're actually a comics fan, which I'm 
you know, a very surface level one. The thing people typically really like is stories that have these specific characters, like right. people like, you know, specific arcs. Right. But that has not really made it through. Right. And even even in the sense of like, even if you one of your critiques of the Marvel Cinematic Universe specifically is that it's so oriented on characters, the reason people uh, care about those characters and Marvel's able to make so much money from the Cinematic Universe is because there are literally decades and decades and decades of strong storytelling that have built those characters to this point in the comics. <laughs> Yeah, so it's uh, and the thing I would actually critique Spice Down for is that it's also that it's not like stories are really great in a vacuum. It's not like if you just told the events of Star Wars to someone, they'd be like, this is inherently the best story ever told. It's that there's a bunch of actual artistry involved in the telling of the thing. And but that anyway, they decide that they want to basically come up with a contest that is going to have people submit script ideas that's like a sort of pocket treatment for a TV series or for an animated series. And then they're going to pay just uh, like a really tremendous amount of money for this. That's going to be like $25,000 for the top prize. For, uh, I mean, that's, I mean, uh, power to them for actually paying uh, writers, but... <laughs> But it seems like, um, you know, that 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 did seem to to work out where people did vote uh, again, though, it seems like there was I think you get into the the details, something like 90 percent of the vote came from like four token holders, which, uh, you know, like, like you said before, there's no proof or evidence of any, uh, you know, improper uh, you know, uh, insider voting to make sure this money went to certain people based on those four voters' decisions. But, um, uh, you know, it, the, the the facts remain that, you know, basically four people got to decide uh, who who won this contest, right? Yeah, and I, I should also, I think it was 25,000 or more or less in total. It was 15,000 for the top vote. But yes, there's these, uh, there whales crypto whales and it's these very small numbers of token holders that end up just splitting just more or less determining how votes go it is also worth noting that the top funded that the top voted group was itself a crypto collective um so i do not know if they ended up trying to pull resources and putting them and like whip votes up and like get people on board to vote for this but um what? It probably didn't hurt that there was a crypto collective involved there. Right. And what was that crypto collective? Uh, it was called Pills. Pill it is was that... a subgroup inside uh, Pills that was like a writing group. Okay. Is that the group that was part of the Milady NFT project? No, that's Romelia, I believe. Okay. Okay. So let's let's get to them because the Pills group, let's, let's uh, move to them next. But the Pills group... Not involved the with that. Group just they came up with this winning idea. They they don't play a huge role in the overall story, um, but they did write the thing that was going to get turned into a script. Got it. And what is the what is the status of that? Are they still going ahead with that, or is that uh, was that uh, you know uh, thrown away with? Uh, I guess we'll get to that in a minute. I shouldn't spoil anything. Uh, so let's now get to the Milady NFT project because after this whole, um, you know, controversy over who should get payment for these story ideas or these world building ideas to actually create the animated project or film uh, ideas they had, there was this other completely separate, pretty big controversy surrounding a separate project called Milady and someone who was involved with that project and was also part of the the Spice Dow. Yes. So Sobi, when he's originally coming up with this idea, partners with a group with members of a group called the Romelia Collective, who are themselves a DAO. It's just DAOs all the way down, DAOs of DAOs. Um, and one of these people is like Romelia itself is involved in this project called Milady Maker, which is this profile picture NFT series. It's like pictures of anime girls. Um, and it has this kind of 4chan aesthetic uh, and this sort of internet shock aesthetic linked right. with it. 
Well, it's called um, Mulaney. And, I mean, spoiler alert, everybody. Yeah. They're not going to come from the best intentions with their uh, animated versions of, uh, you know, uh, girls. <laughs> so uh, it's, it was not like lewd or anything. It was, but it was this like five layers of irony. Um, like we're going to purposely try to show that nothing should be taken seriously. We are our um, kind of project. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it, we, we, I've seen a f- uh, quite a few uh, random uh, NFT projects uh, that really dive into that sort of uh, uh, reactionary, sometimes even uh, straight up, you know, racist right wing sort of meme culture that em- uh, you know uh, emanates from 4chan and, and even 8chan and some uh, things I've seen. But uh, this, while while it was uh, had influence from that, from what I've seen, there wasn't a direct in your face like something like that. But someone working on this project and in part of the Dune Dow team uh, did appear to uh, have some real issues. What went on there? Yeah, so I'm not the. There are people who have dug into this way better than I have. This is like right at the edge of where I'm at. Um, But yeah, there was this personality called Mia who was uh, based on the telling of the people involved, this kind of collaborative project where you were basically just to put it in non-artistic terms, just saying the grossest stuff you could and the most weird extreme stuff you could on the Internet and trying to freak people out. Um, It was trolling and the sort of old, just trying to get a rise out of people's sense of the word, at least based on the way that people who are involved have described it. Um, And so Charlotte or Charlie Fong, who is one of the people who is holding the keys to the treasury of Spice Dow, is also involved in Mia. Uh, That's, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's never good, especially I I had seen they even tried to, you know, the, the Dow leadership tried to downplay um, Fang's role in in the Dow when it seems like you know they were I, I wouldn't say they were like leading something but they seemed to be a prominent part of the 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 main team that was sort of uh, taking lead in the Dow. They were definitely described as being a central player in it at the beginning. It it gets a little bit fuzzy because by the time you get to that controversy, it really does seem like only a few people had been active in trying to really plan things. Um, but yeah, there is this team had like five people on it. There's no one who's not in some way a central member of, of the team who like hasn't played a role in this. Right. Right. You know, the, the, the interesting thing to me, cause we're about to, to move into the most recent drama, which is, the the grand finale of this whole thing and i feel like there's probably pieces that i mean i feel like we've touched everything that's known now but i feel like as time goes on and you know people eventually work on the movie about the dow that wanted to create a dune movie uh there's going to be more things that come out about this timeline but from what we know now this seems to be everything up to this most recent point Um, But what's really interesting to me, I want to put this forward, is like the whole idea, that main idea of buying this Dune, uh, this Dune Bible, this uh, rare book that sells usually for 40 to 50K, it seems like on auction, they ended up spending three million on it. Um, But their idea of scanning the pages so that, you know, the, the physical copy anything happens to it these uh these you know these pages are stored digitally forever and to try to make it more accessible to everyone to be able to see this um you know again whether or not they were had the the uh, legal legal issues worked out to be able to do that just the idea of wanting to do that i think the buzzfeed piece even like uh the way that we mentioned earlier which was one of the earliest pieces to sort of try to explain what was going on here um, the the BuzzFeed piece headline was, you know, a bunch of crypto nerds liberated Jordowski's Bible for Dune. Uh, you know, that was what they set out to do, liberate this. And it seems like as time goes on, this main goal, which is actually, I think, like really sort of nice, uh, just seems to just fall wayside. Like it's not even even it's not only is it like 
not like the the main focus, but it seems like no one's even thinking about it uh, at this point in the timeline here. I think they really did try. I think the problem is just that it was kind of a non-starter to do legally, that there was kind of, I really doubt there was a way for them to get all the permissions required to make this thing available. Because this is where I get to this point where I might think, again, a lot of this was not particularly well thought through, but a lot of copyright law is a plague. Like, I really would love for people to be able to do something like buy this and not immediately run into the wall of there's this rare book and there's basically no way to arrange to make it available. And because copyright law just lasts forever, there probably will not be for a long time. Right. Um, and they did come up with – they started trying to come up with these plans where they were going to show it off at Comic-Con. They were going to show up and like they would – have this big booth where you could like watch somebody flip the pages. So I think they were genuinely interested in this thing, but there was just only so much they could do. Like right. they're just fighting an immovable object here. Right. And didn't they, I, I don't know where the book currently is, but I remember, and I, I was, you know, in your pieces over the, the months that you were covering this, like we were like, I think in like, uh, you know, they, they had won the auction late last year. Uh, you know, we are in like February or March or something like that. In your and in your piece, you you bring up how you know they don't even have the physical copy yet because it's being stored in like a climate controlled environment by like people who deal with this sort of stuff. And they needed to like ship it to them and then continue to keep it in a climate controlled environment and like the upkeep of this book to make sure it stayed in pristine condition was gonna by itself cost tens of thousands tens of thousands of dollars every year. Do, do they do they do they even like do we know where the actual book they want is did they ever get it yeah i believe they moved it to a delaware art preservation facility and they still have my last check of the treasury was something like a million dollars uh in ethereum they have the money to keep caring for this thing it is probably in their best interest to divest themselves of it uh which right. they so are trying to do eventually uh, let's let's get to that before we jump ahead. I got a, uh, a note to self. Keep in mind that you just said they have a million dollars left because something doesn't sound right there. But uh, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, so where are we now? The, the, you know, the Dow, uh, the, the mainstream attention around the Dow after everyone was dunking on it uh, around all this controversy sort of died down over the past few months. You know, the crypto crash happens. No one's thinking about individual Dows anymore when – you hear all these stories about people losing their life savings from the crypto lending companies uh, falling uh, and, you know, failing and filing for bankruptcy. But then all of a sudden it's back in the spotlight uh, because there is some incredibly, uh, excuse me, incredible news going on with the uh, Spice Dow. Yes. So Spice Dow decides uh, if this isn't working, it's going to break up. Um <laughs> The things that have not that have been kind of going on in the background here is that they have, for one thing, spent a fair bit of money on some projects that we haven't gotten into. Like they partnered with Frank Miller's comics imprint to do an NFT series that has not yet dropped. And so they spent a bunch of money on that um, and they paid one of the screenwriters from uh, Love, Death and Robots uh, to get write a script based on the winning entry of their project. So they're spending this money. They're trying to preserve this Bible. Um, and they decide this is just, this is not working out. The crypto crash is just decimating things. Um, and we're going to, if you want to get a refund for your spice, if you hold spice, you can, we, you can cash it out. We are no longer a Dow. Uh, we're a spice club. Um, and, Initially, they decide they're going to go ahead and try to sell the book and they're going to try to work through various projects. It's not totally clear how that's going to work. Um, and they're going to just keep going as kind of a crypto project, but not a crypto collective. This lasts very briefly. And then as a part of this, the original founder, Sobi, is going to step back. Then very suddenly, like at a day, uh, Sobi is back. The other people are out. And they're still going to do the cash out if you really want to, but they're putting it temporarily on hold and they're not necessarily even going to sell the book anymore. So there was, I'm not going to call it a coup, uh, but 
there was a very fast change in ownership and um, a very fast sort of change in direction to trying to even more explicitly wind down the Dow. And that's about where they're at right now. Right. Yeah. I, I, I had seen that, you know, Sobey was sort of, um, you know, he'd sort of been hands off for a while and then he sort of got tired of how things were rolling out with this. And then everything you said starts to happen. And that's when he sort of comes back in and tries to let in like, I, I don't know if he cleaned house himself with, I, again, he had really no power to do so. So I don't know what, what we don't really know what's going on here in terms of why, you know, the, uh, the the Dow team decided to go from we are going ahead with all these media projects to all of a sudden Sobey's in charge once again and there are no media projects except for the ones that were already paid for like the Frank Miller NFT collection. Um, you know, weird, right? I mean, we don't really have any idea what what, what the dynamics were and wh- why they went back and forth in such a short time span on what they were going to do. I don't. Yeah, I don't know either. I've um, very briefly talked to Sobi and I don't have a whole lot of insight on exactly how he ended up coming back. Um, But the general idea is that just dating back to the whole Milady Maker, Charlotte Fong controversy, he was, I think, really cooling on the idea that they were going to be this big, ambitious project. And he was trying to just make sure that look if you got if you put money into this we want to be able to make you whole we want to wind this down in the way that will do the most good and the least damage um he is was really kind of trying to back away from this and then some of the other people in the team really wanted to go full speed ahead and then i don't know what ended up making this suddenly change um but he ended up getting back in control right and it, it doesn't seem like, uh, I mean, uh, you know, they've gone back and forth, it seems, on the idea of selling this uh, this Dune Bible. Uh, interestingly enough, when they wanted to sell it, they went uh, the route of it no longer being a DAO and it's all of a sudden like a private thing, um, which means that those, uh, you know, he would uh, just decide to sell when he wanted to sell. And I guess... So be being back in charge would get to uh, keep whatever the proceeds are from that sale again. No, I think they are. They still actually do have a treasury and the money goes back in the treasury. And the idea is that you're cashing out. The reason it's no longer a DAO is basically that people aren't going to vote anymore. Voting was always kind of a formality. But at this point, it's more like it's, you know, they're taking the taking it private. Right. Um, that you're still going to maybe make money off the treasury. And the idea is still that people can get a share of the proceeds if this makes money somehow. Um, but there's no fig leaf of this is this giant decentralized voting project. Right. Just want to remind everyone that, yes, DAO stands for, like you said, decentralized autonomous organization, which does not sound like it describes anything we've seen so far. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so so let's get back to that amount of money and also uh, – we could tie in if they do sell the book, if that's the route they decide to go, how that factors in here too, because, all right, so we originally are dealing with $12 million and let's now do minus 3 million from it for the money that was reimbursed to Sobe when he laid out the amount for the book. So give or take $9 million we're dealing with now. How, even with the tens of thousands of dollars they spent on various projects, how do we only have a million left, give or take? A lot of it is that this was never in dollars at all. That besides the money that ends up getting transferred to the auction house, this is an Ethereum. Ethereum, at the point that they raise all this money, is just at its absolute peak. And then basically right as they buy the Tomb Bible, everything starts to slide. And it's just the value of it has been decimated. So things that would have been worth like maybe three times what they were originally, um, it's now just worth a fraction of what it originally was. Um, So yeah, they spent a bunch of money on the Frank Miller NFT project. Um, They spent a fair amount of money on upkeep. Um, They've paid out salaries to the people involved in the DAO. Um, but the big thing here is just Ethereum is not worth what it was. Right. And on top of that, uh, not only is Ethereum not worth what it was, but also the Dune Bible is not, from my understanding, even among like the most hardcore of Dune collectors, 
Uh, I mean, Christie's themselves, the auction house, who obviously would want to get as much as possible for it, expected to get like fifth, like top out at like fifty k. Um, you know, if they did decide to resell this book just because they paid three million for it, doesn't mean they're going to get three million or even anywhere close. It seems like they would get, you know. 50k maybe they maybe because they spent so much and there's a history to this copy now someone would pay maybe a couple <laughs> you know a couple 10k more but you know i can't I, again not the expert here but am i how do you feel about this like we're looking like at 100k max here maybe i i assume i can't verify this myself but there were there was a comment by one of the people involved in the Dow that there had been an attempt to sell a different Dune copy of the Dune Bible earlier at Christie's, like earlier this year, and it was withdrawn because it just didn't even get bids oh that were God. worth its money. Um, so <laughs> there was no buyer known. The idea was that they were going to try to time it up, the sale up to the release of uh, Dune Part 2, the film, and that this was going to sort of juice demand for it. Um, yeah, no, they're, the odds of them making any really substantial amount of money from the Bible sale, I, I think they don't expect that to happen. There has been talk of what if they donated it to a museum. The main goal, as far as I can tell, is that they don't want this thing that is this physical artifact that they genuinely, a lot of them care for, that is taking up part of their budget and that they are responsible for in the long term that I think this is like when you can't take care of your pet anymore and you have to give it away to someone. Right. Right. I think that's even, uh, I was going to go with, it's sort of like that thing where like, uh, people, uh, are, you know, people, someone's looking to resell, like, I don't know, like a, a video game console and they look on like eBay and they like press the option to see like the highest prices people are looking for. And there's always some randos who like, put up something that's worth like, you know, a hundred bucks. And they're like, my version's worth 2000. And they're like, Oh, so I'm going to put mine up for 2000 without realizing that just cause someone's asking for that price. Doesn't mean it's previously sold for that price, but I actually think the pet one is much better. <laughs> I think a lot of this is about that. They just don't want to have this precarious thing. Um, that they are trying to coordinate the care for while it's not even necessarily often clear who is in charge. Right. Um, so, so right. yeah. So, so one thing I want to end on here and sort of just sort of lay out um, is the, the people who got into the Dow with the idea of these things happening. So uh, uh, I just want to sort of make it clear for people. Are they still going ahead with scanning those copies uh, scanning the pages and making sure that members of the DAO are able to uh, see this book that they all crowd purchased together. No, right? I don't know if they are scanning the copies. I think they might have been trying to do that regardless. There is no plan that I am aware of to make them available in any way because there's just not going to be a great way to do that with copyright law. Right. And that was the big that that was the selling point for people that they'd be able to see this like they would get their own digitized version of this. It seems like at least for people that I saw talking about this, that like, you know, the media stuff that came all after. But everyone really thought they were going to be able to uh, all own a piece of this book, which they would have access to. Uh, you know, It not definitely to... seemed like one of the more doable achievements compared to like making a Netflix series. And right. turned out it, it was very hard. Right. And then the option for people who bought in uh, the Spice token to be part of this DAO, right now it's they can sell the token and try to make back a percentage of whatever it is, which, again, Ethereum is worth a lot less now. So they would basically sell the token, uh, you know, and it would be, you know, uh, transferred via you know, Ethereum network and uh, based on Ethereum values and you would get hit with the gas fees. So, you know, you might not even make come out ahead. Uh, but what if you don't want to sell the token? Like, what if you're someone who's like, it's not worth it. I'm going to stick with it. What is the option they're giving those people if there's even an option to do that? I think it's still kind of up in the air. You can definitely still hold your spice. And their their blue sky scenario is, look, there still is like a million dollars in the treasury and... 
in theory, they're not going to really have expenses and maybe they're going to make some money from this Frank Miller NFT drop, although that seems pretty iffy. Maybe they make some money if they sell the Bible, who knows? Um, but the idea is that at a later date, you would get a larger share because you you held and you kept the faith. But this is all, as far as I can tell, pretty up in the air right now. They're just trying to figure things out. Right. And that's that's where it gets interesting. If they do go that route. Now, I'm not a I'm not a, you know, I'm not, this isn't my area of expertise, but I did see um, uh, uh, some chatter online about how if that option is open and we're no longer, you know, we're, we're in that area now where they've privatized this and people have shares still in this private entity. That is no longer a governance token. Right. We're now talking possibly securities and there's a whole nother legal ball game. If they thought IP was difficult to uh, work around, they might find themselves in a whole nother uh, legal area where they're going to have to figure out what to do. Yes. They were trying to be very careful with this in the language on their posts to like not make it seem like, like a security and to not upset lawyers that they have hired. Um, I'm not like, totally sure where this goes because I'm not really sure anybody knows what the status of securities and crypto is at this point and whether there's going to be legislation soon. And yeah, it could be a nightmare. Right. I got to say, I know I have been, you know, uh, over the past couple of weeks, been covering a number of these crypto lending company bankruptcies and all the stuff going on around that. And somehow this DAO that was formed to buy the Dune Bible ended up being more complicated than any of those other stories. It's amazing. Uh, oh, yeah, no, there's so much going on in it. Yeah. I, I really, like, I am weirdly affectionate toward it the way that I'm weirdly affectionate toward Yodorowsky's Dune, which, if it had ever been made, would not have been the greatest sci-fi movie ever made. I understand this fully. There's no way, like, these people in Spice Tower were doing something incredibly overambitious that was almost certainly never going to work. And I think many of them acknowledge that I still have kind of a weird soft spot for it. Right. I mean, they might get their dream of getting a Netflix movie out of this. Only it's going to be one of those documentaries about like this weird thing online that happened. And there'll be, it'll be about the, the spice Dow that Netflix seems to love. They love doing those weird internet thing documentaries. Now they did like the cat documentary. They did, uh, I think they recently just released one about uh, that horrible uh, website, Is Anyone Up, from like back in the early 2000s. So Dune Dow might one day get their dream, just not in the way they imagined it. I also was like, I, I was a little bit into their IP. I thought it was fun. <laughs> the stories that they were, they, uh, they were going to try to turn into an actual series. Maybe it's about someone... like a space barbarian and like a space priest, and they were trying to find Earth. Maybe, maybe, maybe there'll be a whole nother story where uh, someone's interested in that IP. And then we got to work out the legalities of getting that from the Dune Dow and who owns that. And that could be a whole nother fun side story to all of this. Oh, God. <laughs> Addie Robertson, senior reporter at The Verge. Thank you so much for joining me to walk us through this unbelievably and unnecessarily complex series of events. Where can people find you online? And also feel free to use this space to, uh, you know, drop upcoming, you know, uh, uh, projects or, or stories you're working on that you want to let people know about. The floor is yours. Feel free to, to, to name drop or promote anything you'd like. Yeah, no, I write for The Verge. We're a pretty good website. That's there about you it. Go. I'm sold. <laughs> Uh, thanks so much, uh, Addy. Uh, have a great night. Yeah, thank you. Now, excuse me while I play the world's tiniest violin to commemorate the death of a Dow. All right, folks. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Scam Economy. If you can afford to do so and would like to, be sure to check out patreon.com slash mattbinder where you can monetarily support this show and become a paying subscriber. What does it do? It helps me grow this show, bring people on board, create more content, disseminate the content that we're already creating in new avenues and mediums. So 
if you can, patreon.com slash mattbinder. Also, be sure to check out youtube.com slash mattbinder where the video version of this show is uploaded, where you can check out my other show, Doomed with Matt Binder, where you can check out the post-show live stream and all the live streams I do. You could also leave a one-off donation tip, whatever you want to call it, via a super chat during the video premiere of this show or the live streams, or go to any of the replays or videos and you could drop a super thanks. It's like the equivalent of a super chat, only it's not for a live stream. Also go to twitch.tv slash mattbinder and follow me there, where the live post show also streams. And like I mentioned earlier, if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, connect your Amazon Prime account to your Twitch account. Amazon comps you a free Twitch Prime subscription every month. That's a paid Twitch subscription that you can give to your favorite creator. I tell you so you can hopefully give it to me. But if you don't, just give it to someone you like on Twitch at least because otherwise it just goes to waste. Amazon just keeps extra money that they're literally giving to you to give away to whoever you want who creates and streams on Twitch. So definitely take advantage of that. ScamEconomy.com for all the links to the audio version of this show and do not forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It's super quick and easy to do. Of course, follow me on Twitter at Matt Binder. Also, you can follow the Scam Economy Twitter account too, at Scam Economy. If you just want updates from when this show goes up and you don't want to hear me talk about literally anything else. All right, and that's it for this week's episode on the Spice Dow uh Ciao. I'll see you all next time on the Scam Economy. Yeah.